All right, welcome back to the show. Today we have the usual suspects, Jonathan Van Hoogen from... Man, Day Spring I, Reformed I was Church. Mess it up. That's right, yeah. You want to start all over? No, 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 we're good. No, good. And then Russ Herman from Cloverdale Reformed Church. Yeah, good to be here. And then I am Josh from The Well Boise. And you're listening to The Gospel That's right. for Life. You're listening to The Gospel for Life. Guest host today is Ryan Hemp Hill from Treasure Valley um, PRC. RPC. R-P-C. You got the right letters. <laughs> so, we, you know, we are the Reformed. You know that this is going to be a good show today. That's right. Because we are <laughs> spot on. That's right. Spot on. <laughs> well, on maybe we should do one of those surgeon general warnings. You know, yeah, like yeah. we are those reform folk that your mom warned you about. Yeah, well, that's So good. it might be, I mean, you might want to turn off the station or, you know, because we're dangerous to your spiritual health. So the show is the with gospel. That. F- with that in mind, uh, the show is the gospel for life. And the idea is that um, the gospel is not just that that thing that you believe to get into the kingdom of heaven. It applies to every uh, part of your life. And right now we're looking at the doctrine of God, um, specifically the doctrine of God's existence. And we've been working through... Paul Tripp's book, Do You Believe? Really great resource. It applies these doctrines to everyday life. And so today, we're looking at this idea of general revelation. So when it comes to knowing God, there are two books. There's the book of Scripture and the book of nature. Um, what are some passages in Scripture that help us to understand this, this doctrine of general revelation or the book of nature? And where, where would we go in Scripture to find that? Well, you you could turn to Psalm 19 for one because it mentions those two great books. It mentions uh, nature and and scripture as well. But uh, just for general revelation, I I actually think you know looking at those last chapters of the book of Job, chapters 38 mm. through 41, you're gonna God is actually um, appealing to Job by asking him, "Were you there when I hung the stars in space and and other um, aspects of?" of uh, creation so we know god by these two means by by scripture and by creation the preservation of this world government in the universe you know and uh, you know our belgic confession would say we know that the universe is before our eyes like a beautiful book in which all creatures great and small are as letters to make us ponder the invisible things of god Mm -hmm. I read a book several years ago um, called um, "Consider the Lilies," and after we, it's a book about creational theology. And the argument of the book is that we, in some ways, have given away um, this idea of general revelation or uh, creational theology. And one of the things that he mentioned in the book is just simply um, the conviction that he never speaks of the created world other than anything but creation. So he refuses to use the word nature um, because it subtly takes away from the idea that God is creator. Mm -hmm. And so in his language, and I I adopted this, not hopefully in a legalist way, but in a way that allows me to continue to talk about creation and the word as how God reveals himself. Um, because it puts God back into the one that formed all things, sustains all things, preserves all things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just even that subtle use of the word um, creation or creator, um, I think is helpful to just force this idea that this is not some random you know, mm-hmm. nature 
<clears throat> it's the product of God's hands he, that he brought into existence. When we're thinking about um, these passages in Scripture, like Psalm 19, Job 38, uh, you consider the lilies. Cons- Romans sir, 1. Romans 1, Matthew 6, where Jesus says, look at the sparrows, look at the flowers. Acts 14. Um, all these passages where the Scripture authors point us to creation, they're not just pointing us to creation to talk about, hey, look, at here, here's, here's evidence or proof that God exists. They... Creation shows us what type of God exists, mm-hmm. right? Right. So, a, so maybe yeah. we could walk walk through some of these passages. What type of God exists? How does creation teach us what type of God exists? Well, in Romans one, you know, we're told that we can know God's invisible attributes, His divine nature, His eternal power, and that's one thing that we can look at in creation. That it's Psalm nineteen shows it's declaring the glory of God, it's declaring his power, his might, his wisdom. Um, Jesus says, not a sparrow falls to the ground apart from, you know, God, and he cares for them. So there's also in the creation world, as we see various things around us, um, birds eating and things like that, we can see God's care and his love. And kind of on a, on a humorous note, I saw a meme once that um, talked about how, you know, Here's the sun, this big, giant, burning ball of gas that's a billion miles away. And it said something to the effect of, you know, you can't look at the sun without your eyes being burned out of their sockets. And we expect to stand in the presence of its creator. Mm-hmm. You know, that's his his majesty and power is on display. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I think you also, in addition to those, you see his wisdom. You see his perfect yep. knowledge. You see his Infinity. sense of order. <laughs> you see his beauty. Um, would it be would it be too much to say you see his humor? That's why I started giggling a little bit because oh, yeah. I also right. saw this meme one time <laughs> where it was an imaginary conversation between God and the angels, and he's like, "Look, I'm going to make a spider," and the angel says, well, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm going to make this being with eight eyes and." Eight legs, and he's like, "Wait a second, what are you doing? What are you doing?" And he's, like, "I'm gonna make a butt rope." <laughs> and I think you you see things like that in creation, squirrels and spiders, and you're like, "Man, this God actually he has a sense of humor in the way that he's created all things." Well, even in the depths of the sea, there are, um, you know, you have fish there with amazing color that never see, see the light. Yeah. Um, God has a purpose, and just because it was for His glory, not simply for our pleasure, but His glory, yeah. He created. Yep. And that's one of the things that amazes me when we think about just the created world in in God. I mean, the, things like that, mm-hmm. where there are aspects of our creation that we're still exploring, and we're coming to know and understand new things mm-hmm. discovered, and yet they've been there. God's been enjoying them all this time. Yeah, I, I just mean, read this this week. Uh, you know, somebody was talking about how. A seal has a amazing sense, a GPS system built in. Well, we see that in the migratory animals. We see mm-hmm. it in the spawning salmon. We see it in all these different things. What what wonder and what amazement! Yeah. You know, we just can't. We we have to look beyond um, what we simply see with our eyes and and see what is see how intricately we're made. Mm-hmm. You know, the psalmist says, uh, "You know, we are fearfully and wonderfully made." That's there's an awe there even in our own humanity. Yeah. yeah, I think I think creation also speaks to the vastness and infinity of God. Mm-hmm. Um, you think of our own solar system as such a small little blip, 
mm-hmm. on the the universes that he has created and you have to stop and ask yourself why why all of the universes if there's only human life on one planet you mean solar system solar system um why all of it yeah mm-hmm. i mean there's really no need mm-hmm. for that for human life to to exist here yeah um, but it puts his magnitude on display. So yeah. that's one of the practical. So, so both Jonathan and and, and you, Russ, that's one of the practical applications or benefits of a of a more robust creational theology is that it it brings us to worship. Right. Like if the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever, you can actually use creation. To, you use like the visible parts of the world to m- cause your mind to drift to the eternal, invisible parts. And I think one thing too, I was listening to the other episodes, you know, that have been playing this past week, and just as, you're you're our one listener. Uh, yeah, I think <laughs> I might have been. <laughs> no, um, but just you know, in the discussion about in the beginning, I mean, mm-hmm. the very basic thing, what we learn about God is that He exists. Yeah, because I mean, we that's the thing that drives me. Just I don't get about you know evolutionary um, thinking is that. You know, we look at everything else, we look at a car, we look at a plane, we look at all this stuff, and we know somebody designed that, somebody built it, somebody put it together, and yet we look at creation and we think, oh, nope, that's an accident. Right. And it's crying out, no, he is, yeah. exists. I remember uh, R.C. Sproul, late great R.C. Sproul, one time demonstrated the existence of a god by holding up a shoe. And he said, there's only four explanations for this shoe. Either it uh, is eternally existed, or it created itself, or it's an illusion, or there's a shoemaker. And after, you know, showing beyond a shadow of a doubt that the first three options are, are not accurate, that fourth one, that there is a shoemaker. And if you could do that with a shoe, certainly you yeah. see that with uh, the existence of the world. I think this is where Psalm 19 is so helpful. It begins by saying, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Mm. The idea is that creation, as it were, is speaking to us on a daily basis, proclaiming there is a God. It's a God of glory, a God of majesty, a God of wonder, and... Psalm 19 is saying, it's declaring this. And there's no Are place where it's it? not heard. There's no place there's, where it's right. not heard. And Everywhere. It's, you know, and C.S. Lewis, you know, he it, um, makes some statements, you know, that he says, most people, if they had really learned to look into their own hearts, would know that they do want, want acutely, something that can't be had in this world. There are all sorts of things in this world that offer to give it to you, but they never quite keep their promise. And then we'll go on to say, if I find a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and this is where that general revelation is leading to. There are experiences that we have just in the preservation of our life and the very fact that we have life and breath and everything. And it moves us to think about God and and it's and it's helping us to realize that we're not going to be fully satisfied in this world. Yeah. There's something something more. He says, 
In this way, he says, probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. If that is so, I must take care on the one hand, never to despise or be unthankful for these earthly blessings, and on the other, never to mistake them for something else which they are only a kind of copy, an echo, or a mirage. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find till after death." I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of life to press on to that other country and help others do the same. That's where general revelation is supposed to be taking us. Mm -hmm. But uh, we we need the scripture to fulfill that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. You know, there are ways we can use um, creation to help others see God. I mean, that's been underlying Mm -hmm. our conversation the whole time. But there's one great example of it multiple but one i want to draw your attention to in acts chapter 14 when paul is speaking to the people at lystra uh he specifically points to creation and he says um god did not leave himself without witness how did he show a witness of himself for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons satisfying your hearts with food and gladness Mm. and so paul actually uses creation to show a that god is real and b what kind of a god this is well what kind of a god is he he's the kind of god that that sends rain and gives you crops because he wants to satisfy your heart that's the kind of god that he is are there other ways that we can help um, those around us see God more in the created world? Well, I think, I think one thing is we can, we can begin to ask questions of them. You know, for the unbeliever, you ask them, is there ever a time in the past where you thought that there was a God? What was happening when you had those thoughts? And what did you think about him at that point? And very often, you, you know, they're going to point to somewhere where perhaps they felt their life in danger and they f- felt, um, you know, delivered or other things like that, or they just had this, you know, big awareness of God. That is, those are all like, they're hints, and that's what we're leading them to. That's right. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We'll continue this series next time. See you later.